0: This week on Millennial Makes you feel insignificant, right? It really does, yeah In a nice way, though Like, it wasn't, like, uncomforting It was just, like, there could be so much more out there That we don't even know about That we might never know about
1: Karens that I know in real life are lovely people And it's very unfortunate that
2: I know
0: That their name
1: has turned into the stereotype
2: I would be frustrated if the name Andrew turned into this type of stereotype So, I do feel bad Let's do it Let's do you it. dodged
0: a bullet that the male counterpart for Karen is Chad and not Andrew yeah. because I feel like that's also very—it's kind of like a frat boy name, Andrew. Oh, um,
2: sh- sure, okay.
3: We've got a, a deal with our custodian in the building that we fill up like a, a thing that has a lid on it and we like sneak it out the back door with him so nobody sees.
0: We also used to, we would only be allowed to throw away books in the dumpster and it was in the back of the building where yep. most people like, it wasn't even in eyesight of the parking lot of the library I worked at. Oh, I love weeding. You love weeding, monster.
2: Monster. <laughs> Welcome to Millennial, the home of fake adulting and real librarians. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela.
2: And I say that because later in today's episode, we'll be joined by one of our supporters on Patreon, Becky, who is a librarian herself. And we're going to have such a great discussion about being a librarian today in this age of, unfortunately, a lot of attacks on libraries and librarians. And Pam used to work in a library, too. Yeah. So. You've just been brimming with questions for Becky. We'll talk about all that in the main show and After Dark today. And Pam, I have to ask, you're feeling better?
0: I am feeling better. I tested negative on Thursday night, so I no longer have COVID. I have a lingering cough, which I guess is normal, and I'm still getting tired way too easily, which is frustrating, but I can't complain because I'll take that over the height of my symptoms any day. Yeah, Again, no joke. It sticks with you for a minute.
2: Well, we're glad you're better. Uh, Laura, do you want to intro this? Because I don't know where this is going.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no.
1: So I I wanted to put like a little call of action out there. We had somebody reach out recently through the confessional. And I don't know if you meant to use the confessional because you signed your name at the end of the email. And you referred to a situation in which we met in person. And I definitely remember you. I would love to follow up with you directly, but I don't have an email address for you. I tried stalking you on social. I didn't have any luck there. So if you could please reach back out um, from your email so that I can follow up with you. I'd love to connect.
2: It is quite the story, listener. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to share it on the show one day. I just Laura don't want was to, shook.
1: I don't want to. <laughs> put anybody like I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable it, it's it's a good story but I just wanted to connect
0: we know that we tried to track this person down on our own and I'm assuming that that means it failed like that was not the right place that was to not go. the right person oh, oh no, no.
1: <laughs> wait
2: did that person reply to you and said wrong guy yes oh, oh wow
1: shit, I, you didn't tell
0: us that yeah I did <laughs> I sent the screenshot. What? Uh, in I our Slack. I, whoa! I missed that.
2: We missed it, or it yeah. didn't come through, or something.
0: <laughs> We're gonna look after the show, though. Believe you me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe we could share the story on the show one day after you two talk and whatever.
0: Maybe it's it's all it's all good vibes. Not
1: nothing bad. Hey.
2: My chat with a listener was brought into the spotlight here on the show a few years ago, so it's only fair that your chat with a listener...
1: Which chat with a listener was brought into the spotlight on the show?
2: That was the one where I matched with the listener on Tinder, and they pretended like they didn't oh. know me, and then they emailed in, and everybody else saw their email except for me, and then you all exposed me for the person that I was on Tinder, <laughs> which was wow. fine. Remember that? Oh, my
1: gosh. Andrew's going to expose me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is revenge. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to have a bit of a roller coaster of an episode, I think, before we get to our discussion with Becky. First of all, there have been some updates on the abortion rights front with Biden. Laura, do you want to update us on that?
1: Yeah. So President Biden um, signed an executive order protecting access to abortion In cases where there's a risk to the health and life of the mother. So, this is definitely a step in the right direction. It doesn't fix the ruling that came down from SCOTUS, but it ultimately does mean that physicians, um, if they believe that a pregnant patient is experiencing emergency medical symptoms and that abortion is the stabilizing treatment that they need, that they have to perform the abortion. This is good news. We were already hearing stories about women experiencing ectopic pregnancies, for example, for which the only solution is abortion. And they were having to consider other options, even like going to another state to get life-saving surgery, really. So it's good news. I don't understand why it just happened a few days ago. Um, I remember us talking last week about how the Supreme Court draft leak came out in May Mm -hmm. and it took like, what, a week and a half after the official ruling came out for the White House to do something like this. It seems like Democrats could have had something like this ready to go as soon as the ruling went
2: live. Sort of like, oh, I don't know, a trigger law like these states had ready to go. Right,
0: right. It seemed like there was a lot of good faith put in the Supreme Court's insistence that it was a draft and not a final draft, which clearly it was final because almost nothing changed from the leak that we saw. Right. And I think that, Laura, you've talked before about how we the Democrats really need to stop acting in good faith because it's not been earned. And I think that this yes. is another example of that for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you didn't even have to wait For this court to even release their their rulings. I mean, we knew as far back as last December that Amy Coney Barrett was saying things like, well, in all 50 states, you can leave an unwanted baby at an emergency room. So that should be sufficient, which is there's a lot to unpack there. But yeah, I mean, this court has not hidden what their intentions are, we've known for a really long time. I know there are some arguments that some of the Trump-appointed justices may have perjured themselves when they were going through their Senate confirmation hearings because they all said that Roe v. v. Wade was settled law. Not so much.
2: Yeah, Kavanaugh was like, I'm a don't-rock-the-boat kind of judge. He used the phrase, rock the boat. I am not a rock the boat kind of judge, which I feel like is a dumb thing to say anyway. Aren't you just supposed to follow the law? It doesn't matter if you're rocking the boat or not. Right. But that's a guy who has spent a lot of time partying on boats, maybe. And he just that's in his. He likes beer. (laughs) So that's what's going on there. We're still disappointed that the administration hasn't moved faster. Next week, we might actually speak about some new polling about Biden and Trump two separate polls, two separate reports have indicated that Dems and Republicans don't want either one of them running in 2024. So maybe we'll talk about who else could potentially run on the left, at least, if anybody.
1: I can't wait to talk about this.
2: Good, because I want to know who is viable. (laughs) I
1: I mean, I'm not saying I know who is, but I am glad to hear that I'm not the only one who has had this feeling. (laughs) yeah of being unsure if Biden is the right choice for Democrats in 24
2: and then there was this terrible news out of Japan last week right
1: yeah so former prime minister shinzo abe was assassinated while he was campaigning this was so shocking because gun violence in Japan is exceedingly rare and you know it's been quite some time since anyone of our age of this generation or in the generations younger, a major political leader like this has been assassinated, or at least in the West or in countries that are typically more covered in Western news. It was just really surreal. It also scared me because we've definitely had attempts on the lives of public officials in this country, some successful, some not, And it just kind of freaked me out because of how prevalent gun violence is in this country right now. It put me on high alert.
2: And yet over in Japan, gun violence, extremely rare. Guns are under control over there. You don't see this type of behavior over there. And you actually had a really interesting takeaway when we were talking about this last week off air. You said that if it can happen in Japan, it can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really good point. That's
1: definitely what it feels like in countries where gun violence isn't as prevalent. I wonder what security details for politicians look like compared to this country. But when you think about the fact that we had JFK, there was an attempted assassination on Reagan. Pam brought up Gabby Giffords. There was an attempted assassination on her life several years ago. So it is not something that is impossible to happen in this country and based on where we are as it relates to guns in this
0: country it makes me really afraid right because honestly it feels like it would be easier here there's been some information that's come out about how i guess just like some early investigation on how this might have gone down with relation to the assassination out in japan that's somebody who really had to find a workaround because it's so hard to get guns over there out here It feels like we give him out like candy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he did. I mean, this was, as James is pointing out, it was a homemade gun. But to the point about security, Laura, he was shot on a very busy public city street. He was in a very exposed location. I still do wonder about the security detail, because just to be clear, this is the last prime minister prior to the current one. This is like, God forbid... Donald Trump being assassinated or Obama Mm -hmm. like it's that level it's that recent of a prime minister which makes it all the more shocking like Laura said important thing to keep in mind especially because it just does seem like if it can happen there it can happen anywhere I've been thinking about that since you've said that Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to freak you out you do that a lot I know
1: but I've got some fun things we can talk about fun things did you guys see the pictures that came back from NASA's James Webb Space Telescope. They're so cool.
2: Yes, and I saw much fanfare around Biden revealing the first photo. That was the big headline, and that that tells you how desperate the administration is when they're like, please, let's say that Biden is like, as if he like took the photo himself or something right. and discovered deep space. But anyway, tell us about this. This was a big deal. A lot of people are... Blown away by this,
1: yeah. So this web telescope was able to reveal some, quite frankly, never before seen high resolution images of deep space. Um, I think the one that is probably capturing the most people's attention is the photo that is um, capturing emerging emerging stellar um, series an individual stellar series. It's pretty um, hard to miss. It almost looks like a valley and maybe some mountaintops and a bright blue sky with tons of twinkling stars behind it. But the whole thing is actually a reaction from stars being created. So it's just space, but it looks simultaneously otherworldly, Mm. but at the same time, Very recognizable. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Maybe these are stoner thoughts.
0: No, I get what you're saying, because it's not like we've never seen pictures of space. And I think that, you know, a lot of people take liberties with illustrations as well. But it is a completely different feeling to actually see something that was taken with like this kind of technology that we've never had before, and it also just makes you feel so incredibly small when you right. think about. Like there was that one picture of all of the galaxies, yeah, and it's just like we really are just like a little speck of dust out yeah. there. Know. In Every the universe. one of those little
2: dots is, is a galaxy. another galaxy. Yeah, really stunning to think about.
0: It makes you feel insignificant, right? It really does. Yeah, in a nice way though. Like it wasn't like uncomforting. It was just like. Wow, we're really just out here on our tiny little rock. Yeah. But there could be so much more out there that we don't even know about that we might never know about.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you can also look at this from the angle of climate change. Like, well, if this Earth doesn't work out, that's okay, because there's probably some other cool planets out there. And maybe they're actually...
0: Yeah, that we can go fuck up. I mean, (laughs) we don't think we deserve that. No, I didn't mean
2: to go there. Just just know there's other life forms out there who are enjoying planets that might be in better better condition. Or maybe they're in worse condition. (laughs) I don't know. But you got to think that there's some planets out there that are in better shape than this planet is. And apparently, this is just the beginning with these photos. I think we're going to be able to go deeper back in time or deeper into space, NASA was saying. So that's really cool to think about. Though I I, I have to say, I'm excited for everybody. I'm on Twitter all the time. Everybody's freaking out about this. I'm happy for you. I personally am not sure I care that much. (laughs) Call me when we hear about life Outside of Earth, I like those updates, but like this whole deep space stuff, it kind of means nothing to me. It's a beautiful photo. So you're but not
0: like a slut for space.
2: No, I'm not tweeting okay. about it. I'm like, I'm not like, oh, my God, this is the most incredible thing. I would not bottom for space at this time. No. Oh, that's too bad. But I'm happy for everybody. I don't
1: know. I, I find something so comforting about, I mean, looking at these pictures and knowing that that, that is real. That's not some doofus in Photoshop Making what they think space looks like <laughs> it it's real, and there yeah. is just something you know, so much larger and more beautiful than we can comprehend. These pictures are genuinely some of the most beautiful photos of natural wonders I've ever seen in my life. yeah, and it just makes me feel very calm in a way like Pam
0: was yeah. describing yeah i'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, I I can respect that.
2: It almost looks, and maybe this is my problem with it, it's just so unbelievable that I almost can't comprehend it, Mm
0: -hmm. and thus it
2: just isn't resonating.
0: I think that's a normal reaction, though, because it does look unreal. These pictures,
1: I've been staring at them all afternoon. They're going to be my inspiration for what I do with my hair next. So stay tuned. Oh, I'm Ooh. so excited for that. <laughs> I can't wait. I was looking at all of these gorgeous jewel towns and being like, oh, I want all of them.
2: I'm being told <laughs> in our discord from people who are listening live that I need to smoke more pot to truly appreciate these photos. Dude,
1: for real.
2: OK, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to take some <laughs> Delta 8 tonight and I'm going to maybe a little more than I normally do and I'll see if it resonates with me further.
0: <laughs> Please keep us posted Please because do. we'd like to know your thoughts. No, I'm,
2: I'm happy for everybody.
0: Open your mind, man.
2: Well, speaking of uh, out of this world items, Pam.
0: The minions are clearly here to stay. And honestly, it's really this time around a result of the newest viral trend going around amongst the teens, which of course are much cooler than we are. So minions, the rise of Gru hit theaters, and it raked in a whopping $164 million domestically at the box office in its opening weekend, which is really very high when you think about the fact that this is still kind of debuting in what we're describing as the COVID era. A lot of ticket sales are down, but clearly this is not, this did not affect them over at Universal when they released this movie. And like I said, again, it's really mostly a result of this meme going viral. This actually went viral. I I first saw it over on TikTok, honestly, where all good trends are born these days. Honestly, it's called hashtag gentle minions. And in order to participate, teens will go out in groups to the theaters and they're dressed in their Best tuxedos. Oftentimes they've got bananas and they just look like little businessmen going to watch this movie. <laughs> Documenting it for TikTok, of course, because if you didn't document it for TikTok, did you even really do it? But the hashtag has actually garnered 65.4 million views on TikTok alone, which is kind of crazy. And it does kind of seem like pretty harmless fun on the surface level, but apparently some kids have been taking it a little bit too far and theaters aren't quite pleased by the growing popularity and the trend. In the UK, some theaters are actually banning groups from entering if they show up dressed in suits. And this is the result of some groups getting a little too rowdy in the theaters. There have been reports of bad behavior, which include throwing things like bananas at the screen. Um, (laughs) And the theaters over there said, we've had families who won't even go back into the screen when they've tried to sort it out. Families leaving before the film has even started. And of course, the children have been in tears. So that's too bad. Uh, Universal obviously is operating under the all-press-is-good-press banner, and they actually tweeted out to everyone showing up to Minions in suits, we see you and we love you.
2: (laughs) Thanks for validating the gentle Minions movement. I saw one of these videos, the reactions that people have when the movie begins are insane. They're losing their mind like they're watching Avengers Infinity War or something. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's,
2: it's really mind-boggling. And it's just all tongue in cheek, right? It's just like they're celebrating how stupid the minions are.
0: I think so, yeah. I mean like minions and and things that have come out of minions, like it's it's been a meme for a while, like the baby girl meme fur grew and stuff like that which is also kind of in part due to this really dumb Netflix movie but like the, the fact of min- minions being so popular online isn't anything new, but I think that it's just, you know, they've come up with a new way to kind of memeify it. And that can be, you know, really fun if you're into little internet tongue in cheek jokes. But of course, there's a line and some people have crossed it. <laughs>
2: like this
1: one
0: um, video,
2: they I... <laughs> stopped the movie. Like they're like, if you all don't behave, we're going to kick you out. <laughs> it's
0: like, right. Oh my gosh. Exactly. I know. This also got me thinking of, we obviously grew up going to midnight releases for a bunch of different franchises and and people dressing up for movies isn't also anything necessarily new. I don't remember any instances of people getting too rowdy in the theaters. Do you all? No. It was mostly just like harmless fun, even though obviously yeah. it was like for all ages things. And I think the expectation was
1: that If it was a Harry Potter release, for instance, everybody was hyped about Harry Potter. So I think that theaters were maybe a little more understanding and forgiving if there was bad behavior. I think for this, some of it is probably attributed to the fact that everybody's like, gives a fuck about the Minions.
0: (laughs) Your arch nemesis, the Minions. (laughs) I really, I really,
1: this is a sidebar. I hate Minions.
2: What did the Minions do to you, Laura?
1: They're too many boomers using them as memes to make what they think are clever points on Facebook. I'm fucking oh, tired of it.
2: I haven't seen that. I have to say I'm tickled by the Minions. I have not seen this new Rise of Gru movie, but I've seen previous entries in the Minions universe, and I I really like them. I find them really cute and funny. When Rise of Gru is available to watch at home, I, I probably will watch it and get a kick out of it. The reviews are terrible. Unless you're nine years old, the reviews are terrible.
0: That's what a lot of people were saying when they were covering this viral sensation, is that like the movie itself is not great as far as animated movies go, but the reason why it's doing so well is not even because kids are begging their parents to see them, it's because teenagers love a good joke
2: do you believe that though do you really think this movie's doing so well because of the teens and the tiktok i I
0: don't have the numbers off the top of my head but i when i was researching for this i did read a, a roundup i believe via forbes that broke down the age bracket of people buying tickets and they talked about how the spike in ticket sales for this movie is higher than it is for other animated feature films. So like Sing 2, for example, did not sell as many tickets in that demographic and prior to Minions, Sing 2 was the highest grossing animated movie that hit theaters in the COVID era. So,
2: According to data from Universal, 30% of the audience was between the ages of 13 and 17 compared to 11% for 2015's Minions and 13% for Despicable Me 3. Wow, that is a big jump. Okay, <laughs> I'm convinced. Well, whatever. I'm gonna continue to love the minions, unironically, and you all can just continue to be freaked out by them. It's fine.
0: Can't can't wait for your review of Minions: The Rise of Maybe Gru that should be my 45 days. You know what?
2: I just figured that that's my presentation for the variety show this month or next month. Laura did oh, one on dinosaurs. Why
0: minions are superior. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to do
1: in defense of minions?
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh
1: my God. I'm just going to oh, talk I... about
2: how cute they are. That's going to be the whole presentation. Ugh, and gross. how I sit there in the movie theater and, and chuckle like a four year old when, when they make all the funny jokes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think this is it. This is what it. What have we done? Oh, we came up with a great idea.
1: Uh, minions <laughs> are a menace. That's do they just terrify say.
2: you, their appearance?
1: No, it's it's nothing with their appearance. They were cute in the first Despicable Me, but then they became a meme and it got annoying. I got tired of seeing them everywhere.
0: I do think I do think it's funny how they realized that because the minions were more popular than they thought they were going to be, they then had to make their speech. Easier to understand because I don't remember oh, really? it actually sounding like a dialect oh, in the first right. movie. In like the in Despicable Me, I should say. But now you can like clearly it's like it sounds half like gibberish, but you can clearly understand the words they're saying. And of course, why wouldn't you be able to? Nobody wants to sit through a 90 minute movie where you have no idea what they're saying so
2: i thought you were going to say and this is a point i wanted to bring up it's funny to me how this franchise started with despicable me one two and three and now they're not calling these movies despicable me anymore it's minions because that's what's driving everybody right. in it's not grew
0: yeah no <laughs> i mean there is a baby grew is i guess in yeah this, the so rise of Gru. that's exciting
2: for people <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> oh man Come on, this just gives everybody a laugh. Lean into it.
1: Well, speaking about complaining, so we have uh, our Next Door Karen's uh, segment returning triumphantly this week. The three of us have found real life uh, examples of Karen posts in our local Next Door communities. We're going to be doing some dramatic readings. Are you all ready?
2: Oh, I think God. I'm up
1: first unless unless somebody else wants to go first.
2: No, I'm just saying, oh, God, because I forgot we're doing dramatic readings of this. Yeah, go ahead. Gotta, go ahead. i got
1: to be in character.
2: OK, let me assume the, the role.
1: <laughs> get that Karen cut. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. Let me get myself into character. I went into the beauty supply store in the Kroger Shopping Center. They had music playing over the speakers in the store. And in the four minutes I was in the store, I heard the N-word, pussy, and motherfucker came wafting through the speakers. Sad that these are the lyrics of songs and even sadder that a business that caters to the public would play this in their store. I walked up to the register and shared politely with a young woman at the counter that I thought the music was inappropriate. She responded that the music was not her concern. I left without the item I planned to purchase. Be advised, should you have little ones, or if as an adult you find profanity objectionable.
2: That's real? This is a real post. Yes. The music was wafting through the speakers, like yes. a scent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a fart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah apparently, and apparently the store was playing this music on the store speakers,
2: uh-huh, and I like the uh the threat the the results. I did not buy the item I planned I to purchase.
1: I didn't spend four thirty nine on the hair gel I went in there to buy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no,
1: yeah, and this it it's funny because. The first name of the person who made this post was actually Karen. And that tickled me. Oh, (laughs) no. Did you reply
2: like, your name is Karen?
1: (laughs) No, but I should have. I stopped trolling people on Nextdoor a long time ago because I started thinking like, well, Georgia is, you know... Like a constitutional carry state, and I don't want to get murdered.
2: <laughs> right, you need to put you need to set up a fake name, like Pam G. Oh, I should make my profile. name Pam G. Yeah, or mine <laughs> okay. on PlayStation, Simming King sixty nine.
1: <laughs> Can you do that on Next Door? I don't know. But you have to have a real
0: name.
2: Oh, that's how they get you. That's how they prevent people from trolling and being dicks on there. <laughs> All right, Pam, you want to give us yours?
0: Yeah, mine's uh, probably not as dramatic as Laura's, but I thought it was pretty funny. We're registering a great disappointment in someone who stole our entire crop of apricots from our side street on <laughs> Avenue. Oh, I didn't mean to put the... Uh... <laughs> Do you
1: want to edit it out real yeah. quick? <laughs>
0: yes, please. <laughs> I didn't mean to put identifiers in it. This is like a small town, too. I got to take that out. Okay. <laughs>
2: We're keeping all this in, but I'm going to censor it.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) Someone who stole our entire crop of apricots from our side street tree, although clearly a crime, we would not have appreciated asking if the thieves could harvest some of the delicious apricots or make us some jam. The frustrating part is they stole every apricot without a thank you. Our surveillance cameras can identify them, but a confession or an apology would save the legal hassle.
2: (laughs) This is very like passive aggressive and almost like tongue in cheek.
0: Even though you're going to bleep this out, I'm very familiar with this town and it sounds tongue in cheek. But it definitely is not based (laughs) on the people that I know. They're they're dead serious. As somebody
2: who is trying to grow a lemon tree right now, it takes years for these plants to start bearing fruit. And then obviously you have to wait a while. You have to wait every year for a new fruit to come around. So if somebody was taking my apricots, I would be very upset about it.
0: I think so, too. I just think that it's I would never think to press legal charges for this. (laughs) We have people in my neighborhood that have fruit trees on the street. They just put up signs that say, please don't pick our fruit, mm-hmm. you know, or please don't pick the wildflowers and stuff. I would never do that personally, but I also, I think this is kind of like, I don't know, a little extreme. It
2: seems like a joke, this whole thing. I believe you. It's just like some yeah. people are not self-aware of how ridiculous yeah. they sound.
1: I I just love the... Our surveillance camera can identify them.
2: Yeah, probably not, by the way. Like, maybe, but.
0: You wouldn't be posting here if it could. Maybe they have them facing the trees. (laughs) I, you know, honestly, I might have to take a drive down here because they told me exactly where they live and check out where the surveillance cameras are.
1: Pick us some apricots and mail them out here. I love apricots.
2: (laughs) Okay, so mine. It's short, but just to set it up, this person in our local neighborhood group had made one or two posts the same week as the post I'm about to read, um, in which they're complaining about Amazon drivers lobbing packages to the front door. And this third time they did it, I got really annoyed and decided to comment. So this person wrote... (sighs) I'm pretty sure someone also got this guy on camera tossing packages. What an ass. Happened at 1247 p.m. today. Husband said guy was blasting music. And she uploads video from her ring camera. It's an Amazon delivery driver. The dude in the video lobs a package. For some reason, she put tossing packages in air quotes. I replied, and, you know, seeing her third post in a week, I replied... Does everyone, and by the way, I'm verified on Facebook. So my comments have the check mark. So I look like super official every time. Super legit. I'm like king of, <laughs> I'm, oh, I almost said my development. I'm I'm king of the neighborhood because of that blue check mark. <laughs> so here I come in with my blue check mark, ready to respond to a Karen. Does everyone think their packages are carefully handled from China to your front porch? They're tossed way more often than just in front of your house. Unless it's broken when you opened it who cares? And a couple (laughs) people backed me up. And um, this person took down their post because of all the hate that they were getting in the
0: Facebook group. That always feels like sweet, sweet justice when you see somebody that's clearly being an asshole and then has to remove their post. And it also bothered me because these poor
2: Amazon delivery, all these delivery drivers throughout all hours a day, they're trying to save a few steps by not bringing it up to your doorstep. Carefully placing it on the ground like it's Harry Potter wrapped up in a little blanket. Let's be real. What is coming from Amazon that's so important? Chances are it's crap or a T-shirt or something. Yeah. If you open that and the microphone or whatever is busted, something valuable is busted. Okay, that's the time to go to Amazon and say, hey, and they'll send you a new one, obviously. But to complain about these people trying to save a few steps so they can get all their deliveries done. Mm hmm so frustrating to me.
0: And to that point, I actually had to order a a new replacement cord for my computer charger and the package came it was clearly sliced at some point while it was in transit. They just put some packing tape over it, but I'm not going to go complain to Amazon because guess what? The cord inside was fine. Like yeah. I don't care if the the bag got slashed in the move. Yeah. It takes a lot for me
1: to be upset about something if i can tell that a package was mishandled like you guys said as long as it's not broken i really don't care i've even had it happen before where i ordered like cleaning supplies and one of the caps popped popped open and it leaked a little bit on the inside of the box but it wasn't enough to make me care enough to mm-hmm. you know create a stink with amazon and make them send me another one or refund me. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. (laughs) I have bigger fucking fish to fry, (laughs) which apparently some of these Karens do not. Apologies to all decent Karens. The only Karens that I know in real life are lovely people. And it's very unfortunate that I know that their name has turned into the stereotype.
2: I would be frustrated if the name Andrew turned into this type of stereotype. So I do feel bad.
0: Let's do it. Let's do you it. dodged a bullet that the male counterpart for karen is chad and not andrew yeah. because i feel like that's also very you know it's kind of like a frat boy name andrew
2: oh um sh- sure okay
1: only if you went by drew hey drew that's true hey drew true. how you doing man <laughs> All right, well, before we move on to chat with our guest this week, we just wanted to take a quick moment to give a shout out to our latest patrons um, who are supporting us over at patreon.com/millennial. Uh, they are Ellie Kirsten, Nicole, Jessica, Rebecca, Caroline, Sam, Genevieve, Larissa, Dexter, and Dexter, Dexter was the last one. Dexter, twice as nice. You got your name in there twice. Um, we're so thankful to everyone who supports the show over at patreon.com slash millennial. It's where we have literally hundreds of hours of bonus content at this point that becomes available to you the second you sign up. Um, plus, you get to do cool stuff like potentially come on the show like Becky
2: this week. Yeah. Hey, Becky, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you're
2: welcome. And so tell us a little more about yourself.
3: Sure. So as we'll talk about in a little bit, I work full time as a librarian in the children's department. In addition to that, I write a Disney blog that I've been doing for 10 years. And uh, my main hobby now is running, which is not something I ever thought I would say, but I... Uh, I got addicted to it, and I have a beer running group that I go to once a week. So run, drink beer. Well, That's wait. Awesome. So
2: <laughs> do you drink and run at the same time, or do you drink after not a, running? Not usually. Okay. Not
3: usually at the same time. Occasionally, we do a we do a Halloween run where we uh, have trick or treat stops along the way. Okay. I love that.
2: Drink or treat. But
3: those are very slow runs. So. <laughs>
2: Now, let me ask you something. As an adamant runner, do you listen to podcasts while
3: running? I do not. I need music. Yes, I can see that. Thank
2: you. I, I don't run, but we get tweets from people every once in a while, listening to your podcast while my morning run. I'm like, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I need to be yeah, pumped I mean, up. Usually <laughs> <occasionally laughs> I
3: can. Like If I'm on the treadmill, I can because it's going to keep My pace, but if I'm outside, I'm like I'm going to be dragging if I'm listening to you guys. Sorry. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Speed it up a little.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't listen to any podcast doing cardio. I need to get pumped up. Yeah. Me too. Anyway, so yeah, let's talk about first, and we'll get to your blog I think a a little later. Um, Let's talk about being a librarian because recently there have been reports, including one just this past week, of parents and school libraries fighting over their catalogs. To quote the New York Times. As highly visible and politicized book bans have exploded across the country, librarians, accustomed to being seen as dedicated public servants in their communities, have found themselves on the front lines of an acrimonious culture war with their careers and their personal reputations at risk. They have been labeled pedophiles on social media, called out by local politicians, and reported to law enforcement officials. Some librarians have quit after being harassed online. Others have been fired for refusing to remove books from circulation. In many communities, putting books on the shelves has become a polarizing act and has turned librarians into this political pawn. Now, this is the most extreme cases. We're not saying this happens to all librarians. Have you, Becky, seen this type of behavior coming from parents in recent months or years?
3: We're pretty fortunate that we don't have too much of that specifically in our area. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be people that want to complain about things, but it's not typically in like a formal or extreme way. I mean, if they have opinions, they will come tell us. Absolutely. But they're not usually necessarily looking for action taken. They just want to make their opinions known. How does it feel
2: to see attacks like this on, on something as important and wholesome as a library, as a librarian yourself?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's obviously frustrating. And I think too, though, not just, you know, the attack on our freedom to read and our freedom for, uh, to choose the information that we consume, but also that, um, I think people don't realize how much the library offers to the community sometimes. And when you're attacking, you know, just one book or topic or whatever it is, like this is having an impact on this library, all libraries, everything that we're trying to offer. And it's really harmful.
2: Yeah. So you told me you actually have a process in place at your library to deal with these potential attacks or requests from parents. So please tell us this. I can't wait to hear this.
3: Sure. And actually, most libraries will have um, some sort of probably very similar policy in place. Um, There is something called the American Library Association, the ALA, which has put out their own kind of general statements that most of us will borrow from while creating our policies. Um, There is a there's a library bill of rights. There is specifically um, a freedom to read statement that the ALA, ALA has put out. And I do have like one paragraph from that that I thought I could read because I think it's pretty important and it makes it pretty clear what um, the American Library Association and most libraries, what their position on these things is going to be. And it says the freedom to read is essential to our democracy and it is continuously under attack says a couple of other things and then says, we trust Americans to recognize propaganda and misinformation and to make their own decisions about what they read and believe. We do not believe they are prepared to sacrifice their heritage of a free press in order to be protected against what others think may be bad for them. And so that's kind of our, our bottom line for every, every decision we make. But we do have a policy specific to our library. Um, we call it a collection development policy. So it also addresses like how we choose materials in the first place, why we choose certain things, and also deselection, which we call weeding, when we choose to remove things out of our collection, because that is something that happens and can also be very controversial. Um, people don't like the thought of you throwing away books. Well,
2: wait, do you actually throw
3: them away or just you sell them? Oh, you oh, actually- well, both. But... Well, I mean, so if you're reading nonfiction and you've got a book from 20 years ago about technology and none of it's accurate anymore, like you, it doesn't, I don't even want to, I don't want to give that away to anybody because it's not good information anymore. Fair. But people, if people just see a book in the garbage can and it's, it's so we have a we've got a, a deal with our um like our custodian in the building that we fill up like a, a thing that has a lid on it and we like sneak it out the back door with him so nobody sees.
2: We got a deal. We got a backroom deal with the custodian. That's really we funny. Did.
0: I was just gonna say that we we also used to we would only be allowed to throw away books in the dumpster and it was in the back of the building where yep. most people like it wasn't even in eyesight of the parking lot at the library I worked at. <laughs> Because people do get really people get mad over everything. But that was like the funniest part. Mm -hmm. And you would have to go like down this one corridor that like the only purpose of it, honestly, I swear, was just to get to this this back entrance where you could toss
2: books away. The secret library book disposal door.
0: Pretty much. Yeah.
2: Seriously. (laughs) Wow. But I can see why people might be like, wait, why you? I totally understand the point you're you're making Becky about like especially old books that are completely have that have bad information. But as people who like really appreciate libraries and reading and all that, it just hurts to see a little book just like cross the rainbow bridge.
3: Oh I love weeding. I love love weeding monster. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's like organizing. You feel like you've got, you know, you're cleaning up your collection and uh, I don't know. You got new stuff to take its place, yeah, okay.
2: Fair enough. And I'm sure, like some books, you like, try to open up the pages and they're all stuck together or something, or they smell or
3: oh we have we also have a sniff test when we do weeding. So, um, if you can like you can smell it and it's like right in the garbage sometimes. They get really gross. Wow, <laughs> I can see that,
1: especially I-, I would imagine books from the children's section, for example probably tend to deal with a lot of sticky fingers
3: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, there's lots of stuff in there
1: (laughs) 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 i was wondering becky kind of a a separate thought that just occurred to me because of the amount of privacy liberties that are under attack in this country right now i'm wondering from a librarian's perspective, is that something that ever occurs to you to be concerned about with regards to your patrons' privacy in the types of books they're checking out?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I have always felt very strongly about that sort of thing, even to the extent where You know, when I first started working at my library, and there's no the the older women at the checkout, and they comment on like, "Oh, you're checking this, I checking." I try not to say anything because I don't feel like it's my place to make any sort of comment on that. It's nice that we have self checkout now, so that that sort of thing can't happen. But yeah, I definitely it's definitely on my mind, especially the ages that I work with. My department is. Um, from birth to eighth grade. So I've got up to like 14, 15 year olds. So that definitely becomes, you know, a question that I'm thinking about.
0: Yeah. I could totally see that because I know that even when I was growing up, I'd go into the library and read up on anything I was curious about. Like, I, I think like the quintessential example of this is the body book for American girls. I feel like every girl at some point from the nineties, like, Either got a copy of that or went to the library to like look up information in that book. But that would have been something that I would have been embarrassed to check out with an older employee. So, yeah, probably so much easier for kids now to be able to use those self checkout machines. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think that that definitely helps a bit with that.
2: Let's talk about current trends right now. What books or types of books are currently under fire?
3: In terms of what is typically on a, like a broader scale, kind of being challenged the most, I would say a majority of it, especially in children's literature is anything that's like LGBTQ plus, um, I think it was the 2021 most challenged books, the top 10, uh, five of them. That was the reason why. Uh, Other topics are going to be, you know, sexual content, violence, anything like that. But we're really seeing a lot of pushback for any sort of um, a lot of stuff is coming out about transgender. And it's really great. I mean, there's so much great writing out there. And in a lot of ways, I think that children's literature is really on the forefront of a lot of all of these things in terms of diversity and these important topics. And uh, people don't always realize that like a lot, a lot, a lot of like the middle grade books that we read have, it's just part of many of them, like, and in a natural way too, a lot of times, which is just so great, but I don't know that, that adults and parents always realize that until they start, you know, digging into this.
2: Do you think a lot of these books have only come up in recent years or have these books that you're describing, have they been around since we were all kids?
3: It's definitely a more recent thing within the past, I would say 10 years. I mean, you may have heard of, there was a picture book um, and Tango makes three about the penguins, the gay penguins. So I feel like that was kind of like one of the earliest ones that 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 book was challenged and everybody talked about that. And that has to be a at least ten years old now, but ever since then, we've seen more and more every year. I think.
2: How can we and our our listeners and parents get involved to help prevent books from being removed or banned? Do you Do you have any like go to strategies there?
3: Well, one thing that I was um, going to say too is that when someone does come to us to ask about challenging a book, if they say you shouldn't have this book on your shelf, we do have. Um, a whole process. And that includes a form that they have to fill out. And it is a very detailed (laughs) uh, two-page form with very specific questions. So I will say that we almost never get them actually filled out because...
2: I love that. That's a good strategy. It's like paying somebody in pennies. like (laughs) You got to make them work Mm -hmm. for something.
3: (laughs) So a lot of times, at least with us, like you're not even going to get to that point. But if it is challenged or you hear people talking about those things. The best thing that you can do is speak up in favor of either like that specific item or just your freedom to read and your freedom for access to information in general. And the best, I mean, you can tell the library, and that's great. But the best thing you can do is go to their board of directors because um, all libraries have a board, and they really kind of are above us in a lot of ways. So a lot of times in these situations, it's not the librarians making the final call, and Unfortunately, I mean it, the this board is not on the ground every day. They're not in the library, they don't understand everything and sometimes they're great library supporters and sometimes they're not. So the best thing you can do is is to contact them, go to a meeting or or just send a letter or an email so that they hear you. And I would
2: also imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but people on these boards might be older generations who aren't perhaps as progressive as You are and
3: everybody else on this panel. Yeah, that's very often the case. Um, Being like a mostly volunteer position, it's people that have free time to do those sorts of things. A lot
2: of time to read Facebook as well and Fox. Mm -hmm,
3: To complain about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A lot of Karens (laughs) at the library. (laughs) Perfect tie in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in
2: lighter news, what books are flying off the shelves right now?
3: So keeping in mind that I go up to eighth grade in my department and I don't really read many grown-up books, <laughs> people hear I'm a librarian and they love to see, oh, what's your what's the best book you've read recently? And I'm like, well, they're all like little kid books. So, <laughs> But honestly, I love middle grade fiction. It's really a great sort of genre that's become more of a thing. Like, I don't even know if it existed as much when we were growing up. You kind of had like the earlier chapter books and then the young adult. And now there's this really, really great like in between where it's still, you're not going to have a lot of, like it's not to me, it's like sometimes I just want something that still touches on important topics, but isn't so like extremely depressing as YA can be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so that's kind of like the the role that middle grade fits is like introducing kids to a lot of these important topics. Um, but in particular, graphic novels are just, the hottest thing right now
0: would you say that the perception of graphic novels for parents has changed because i know that i think maybe lauren andrew can speak to this too but i feel like when we were growing up it was always like you can get a comic book you can read a comic book but you have to also read a real book so it didn't ever really like count as reading
2: yeah
3: we still get a lot of that yeah okay
2: Because I never got into comics or graphic novels while growing up, but I feel like my parents definitely would have said that, like, "Hey, okay, fine, but you have to also read a book that's all words."
3: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what most parents are still saying. Um, There are ones that recognize that graphic novels can be just as, you know, um, fulfilling or beneficial in a lot of ways as any other book, and in some ways, they're teaching even better skills. I mean obviously at the end of the day, like if a kid is interested in reading, it doesn't matter what form it's in. Mm -hmm. But I think graphic novels are really important because a lot of the story is told through pictures and you have to actually look at the pictures and figure out what's going on. And that's a skill that, you know, kids can potentially lose in this age where everything is like so fast and flying by. It's like, in order to understand this, you really do have to analyze it and, and look at it to figure out what's going on. So I think there's there's valuable things there, you know, on its own, too. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought of that.
1: 100 percent. I definitely remember growing up and hearing graphic novels are just comic books and people are trying to make them sound fancier than they are by calling them graphic novels, which is obviously not true. Um, and there's a ton of value that you can get for all of the reasons that you just listed, Becky. Um, and I think it's great that they are so popular at this point. I do wonder though, because graphic novels are something that kind of span the age ranges. And I had a question for you about, you know, adult readers enjoying. Genres that are maybe intended or have a target audience that's a bit younger. I'm curious because we all love Harry Potter here. I know you do too. I'm curious if you've ever heard from any parents or adults about that phenomenon, about the idea of adults reading books that are intended for a younger audience and sort of what
3: perceptions of that are at this point in time. So, That's a great question. And I think that at least most of the parents that I'm dealing with now are like our generation. And honestly, a lot of them grew up with Harry Potter. They were seeing like all ages read it. So I think they're much more open to reading, you know, children's books because they grew up realizing that, you know, that, that, that was a thing that was happening. So, I mean, I do have parents or adults that say, like, hey, I really liked Harry Potter. Is there anything else like that? I love That's that. Great. We do like a lot of programs and activities for our kids. And so I've done like Harry Potter events where we just have like a little like different crafts and, you know, sorting and whatever. And I have parents that sign their kids up and the kids don't know anything about Harry Potter. And it's because the parents wanted to come. <laughs> like- <laughs> That's
1: really cute. I love it. Yeah. So, our generation is saving one thing, and it's children's literature. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Any other, you mentioned so middle, the middle school genre, which is you're counting, you're calling that a genre, just to be clear.
3: Yeah. It's more like an age level.
2: Yeah. Any, basically, look we just want to know what book series should we make a podcast for next? Just, just <laughs> tell us So whatever it is. We'll do it.
3: I think you probably like miss the boat on most of Fuck. them because at this, and I'm really thinking about it, at this point, like there's a lot of series that are, are really popular, but most of them are on like book 10, 16, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I, there hasn't been any, anything like brand new lately. That's caught on yet. Okay. I think my guess is so, um, Rick Riordan, you know, he's got Percy Jackson, he's got all his books, but he actually has his own like publishing imprint now. I don't know if you're familiar, that's Rick Riordan Presents. And so that is other authors writing their own books that are kind of like in a similar style, yeah. the same like sort of mythology. And it's really neat because he's got a lot of diversity going on and pulls in like there's one about um like Hindu mythology. There's like an like an ancient Japanese mythology series. And I have a feeling like one of those is going to going to go big at some point.
2: <laughs> we actually had one of our friends, a good Karen, on the show a few months ago. And she actually is a huge Rick Riordan fan, Percy Jackson fan. She started a podcast, but she mentioned that too, Rick Riordan Presents. And yeah, we'll have to keep our eye on that. But also just email us if, if you're getting uh, you a okay, your sense I'll of I'll disturbance in the force and there's a new <laughs> book series we need to do a podcast for.
1: What about uh, Eerie on Sea by uh, Thomas Taylor? We just interviewed him on MuggleCast
2: the illustrator of the first harry potter book yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah. i think his the fourth book in that series is coming out this september and part of me has been like is this our time is this our chance (laughs) we have a connection
2: i i I feel like we gotta do something that's maybe for a slightly older audience i don't know if we need to dive into a middle school series but i hear great things about percy jackson and like
3: yeah, I'm actually doing a Percy Jackson party tomorrow night at the library. So. Nice,
2: very cool. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to me that some publishers still don't anticipate the popularity of a book series, even after it's being adapted for television or as a movie, case in point. Netflix recently adapted Heartstopper, very popular graphic novel series. It's a gay coming-of-age story. It was released on Netflix, blew up. Everybody was obsessed with it. Pat is absolutely in love with it. He couldn't get the damn graphic novels. They're sold out everywhere. I'm like, how do you not anticipate if something's going to be on Netflix and behind the scenes, everybody's like, oh, this series is pretty good. Print all the books in the world. I know there's supply shortages, but come on. I was going to say
0: that the supply shortage might have been an issue there. And um, along a similar vein, I had the hardest time finding... One of the Court of Thorns and Roses books, because those books have also been flying off the shelves thanks to Book Talk specifically. And that I think it really is just because everything's getting pushed back and they're probably prioritizing new releases. But you're right, they should have been more of an effort made with something like Heartstopper for sure, because they had time to prepare and they saw the buzz growing. So it's yeah. interesting.
2: Now, yes, you can get them through Amazon, but Pat didn't want to do that which is great. He wanted to order through a local bookstore. So we did order through a local bookstore. He just got the Heartstopper books yesterday. They finally got all Oof. four.
0: And when did you guys order those? Like two, three months ago. Wow. Now, in fairness,
2: they had one or two. They're going to wait until all of them arrived. But still, like it's crazy that it took so long. Look, I'm happy for the author, of course.
0: Do you guys like get prioritized when you are trying to order books for the library, like popular releases?
3: Yeah. So we have companies that we order from that specialize in selling to libraries. And so we get most things before they're published, usually a couple of weeks before. So we have time to process them and get them ready to check out, you know, as soon as the publication date hits for the more popular stuff. So uh, we've not really had any issues like that where we're not receiving things on time. So that's good at least.
2: Wrapping up here our discussion on libraries, has attendance grown or shrunk at libraries over the years?
3: So speaking for my own library, of course, um, the past couple of years have been very weird with COVID and everything. And and of course, attendance shrunk for a while. And right now, uh, I think it's back to where it was before, which is very, very busy. Uh, my library is Crazy. There are people, Good. I mean, especially the children's department. There are tons of people there every day. That's <laughs> um, great. So uh, yeah. And a lot of that has, I mean, people will come in and check out books, but one interesting thing that happened during the pandemic statistically was um we were doing curbside pickup only for a while. And so our books uh checkout statistics actually were not that far off from the pre-pandemic numbers um because people who got books were still getting books but the number of people coming was a lot less which shows how many people were coming for reasons other than to just check things out that's fascinating yeah because we have so many uh programs and activities especially for kids but for all ages Like this is, I mean, summer reading right now is our our super busy season. And we had three different programs just today while I was there um, for two elementary school programs and like a, a story time in the morning for the younger kids. So, and that's like most days during the summer and we get, you know, 25 kids for each one. So, yeah, yeah a lot. <laughs> Is wow. there anything
2: you'd like to see the city or or schools do to encourage attendance, more attendance?
3: Yeah, just encourage the library. Just hi, we're here, like we exist. It's like we can really fly under the radar sometimes. And I think part of that, too, is that people don't realize everything the library does. They say, oh, I'll go there and get a book. And then they walk in and they go, oh, my gosh, like there's this huge play area for the kids. Like we can spend an hour here playing and getting books. There's computers. There's all these activities happening. And it's, people don't realize that. And It's really, really hard to get the word out about that. Um, schools are a good partnership, but they've been also so, you know, overworked and overwhelmed that they haven't really been able to um, partner with us in the ways that we did before. So it is just a matter of, of spreading the word, honestly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think to your point, there are a lot of services that libraries provide that people just don't think about. Pam, you mentioned one that was really interesting to me when we were prepping for this segment.
0: Oh, yeah. So I was telling Lauren Andrew that I am constantly surprised by just how much the library offers. And I kind of already knew that having worked at a library through my college years, but they're constantly adding new stuff to my local library. And I don't know how long this has been in place, but I just learned that you can actually check out a toolkit and And also some power tools. So, if you don't have stuff to do DIY projects around your house or to fix something up, you can just go down to the library and you can get all of that for free for two weeks instead of having to go over to Home Depot and buy all that stuff. And I just think that that's so cool because tools are so expensive. And sometimes you just need a screwdriver and you don't have a screwdriver and maybe you can't afford a basic kit. So, I just think that's great.
3: Yeah. And we, we call that they call it the library of things um, for that, the general term for like all these different things. I know I've heard one thing is um, libraries that check, uh, they check out cake pans for the idea being like different shapes. Like you Mm -hmm. probably are, if you're going to throw a themed party and you need a a pan that's shaped like a castle, like you're going to use it one time and never use it again. So they like, they check those out. There's a library that checks out like business wear, um, especially for Mm. people that need to do like job interviews and don't have the money to like buy a suit. They can borrow one from the library. I mean, that's in much bigger places typically that have, you know, the budget and the ability to do that. But um, we check out toys, which (laughs) is a, a whole, a whole other thing. It's a lot of work because pieces go missing and this and that, but it's been super popular at our library because we have so many people in our community that are kind of here for the short term. We have a lot of people that come from other countries for a couple of years and then go back and they don't want to buy a ton of toys for their kids. And so they love being able to borrow different ones every couple of weeks from the library.
2: That's really cool. I can see why all these things would be so important and so helpful in the community.
1: It's a true community center.
2: Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, are there any other programs or activities that you wanted to plug? I know you've mentioned, Becky, a a few others too, including some parties, the Percy Jackson party.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, one of the really fun things about my job and like the position I'm in now is that I have a lot of freedom to kind of just do whatever I want that I think the kids will like. Middle school is really like my main area. Um, And so if I hear like, oh, the kids are interested in this or I read something that I think they might enjoy, I'm just like, I'm gonna do this and let's see how it goes. So we started doing, like they were got really into crafting like just because I think they don't, they haven't had the chance to like do these physical things in a while. So we did, we made fairy gardens and I just put out a bunch of like fake flowers and random supplies and they got so into it. I had to like kick them out because we were closing. Like You guys have been here for almost two hours. Um, So we're doing like a repurposing an old t-shirt craft night in a couple of weeks. It really is just, we try to touch on, you know, do something crafty. Still, We still do book discussions and those are popular, but also, you know, STEM related things. We have a chess club that meets. um, So trying to get a little bit of everything.
2: What is the role of a librarian? If I may ask a very big, important question.
3: Yeah, right. (laughs) No pressure. So at the end of the day, I think this was in the quote that you shared from that article about how librarians are used to being community servants or public helpers or or something like that. And so that really is, I mean, it's a customer service job in a lot of ways. Everything is about providing for our patrons. Now, specifically to me, I think a lot of it is about just information in general. A library is not just books or even, you know, DVDs or physical items, but both access to information, providing access to information and also helping people find that access to find what they need because they might not know, but they can come to me no no matter what it is. It can be something as simple as, you know, I want a good book to read or I heard about this on the news and I want more information on it. Where do I go? Like literally anything that is information. And that's all part of my job.
2: Yeah. Well said. It's a really important role. Well, the kids are going to be all right. And thanks in part to libraries and librarians and the work you're doing and pushing back against parents and communities who are on the wrong path. So thank you for sharing all that. That was super interesting. And actually coming up in After Dark, we're going to talk more about libraries. We're going to talk about late fees and we're going to talk um Becky is so kind as to offer to share some patron horror stories and uh, <laughs> including some ones about <with> the stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah, we'll we'll take this in other directions too. I want to know how often she sees people loading up porn on the internet computers. But anyway, before we get to all that, let's talk about, you mentioned at the top of this, you're also a a Disney blogger, and your site is DisneyInYourDay.com. It's also the Instagram Disney In Your Day. What's it been like balancing blogging with a full-time job, being a librarian? Because a blog, as we know, is always on. You always need to write new content. Mm-hmm. It's a ton of work. It's another full-time job, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah. So right now, uh, balancing is not going great. Um, (laughs) I am very overwhelmed a lot of the time. And that's kind of been my focus since January is like, how, what do I need to do to balance this a little bit better? And sometimes it's recognizing that there's, you know, when you get into that whole world of blogging, it's like there, you could, even if it was your full-time job, you could do it every hour of the day and still there's more things you could try to do yes you don't have to post to every single social media like it's for me it's been trying to figure out okay i've been doing all these things because other people said oh this is how you're successful but what's actually important to me for how i want to present my
2: work well i'm sure you're doing a good job and like with a lot of things when we're behind the scenes we're like constantly screaming but on the front ends Everything looks put together and good. And I look at your site and your coverage, and it's put together and looks good. And your Instagram as well. So well done from the outside. Thank you. (laughs) Disney is work these days. I think I said this to Pam a a few weeks ago. It's like, you really have to put some thought and planning into it. I'm planning a trip in October to Disneyland. I'm already stressed out about it. Uh, You know, getting those dining reservations and the fast passes and all that. Oh, God. It used to be so much easier, especially when like when you were a local, let's say you live in Orlando or Southern California. It's okay; You just pop into the park. You do a ride or two and that's it. It doesn't matter. But if you're only visiting once a year, you have to make it the best trip ever. You got to make sure you hit everything. And
3: that's when it gets really stressful. See, that's your mistake. You can't do everything. I
2: want to, though, with these prices.
3: No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to
2: have a magical day.
1: You probably enjoy it so much more if you pick a few things that you really want to focus on and enjoy.
2: That's everything. <laughs> I want to do everything. I enjoy well, you everything. Can't,
1: you, you can't, by definition, you can't focus on everything.
2: Okay, that's my problem. That's my problem. <laughs> No, you're right. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I don't want to do everything. Just going
0: to say, even the roller coasters. We know you don't like roller coasters. You can skip those. <laughs> I don't I don't like the one at
2: California Adventure. Every other See, coaster I'm good with. Though. That's
0: 50 minutes of your life. You'll have to a lot to something else Disney related. Right. Well,
2: and, and it works out. I don't want to do it. So Pat goes in the single rider line and, you know, he's in and out in five minutes.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> you can get a nice little drink at the Luxo Cafe. Have fun oh, doing yeah. the loop de loop.
2: That's <laughs> not for me. Nope to nope. All right. Well, Becky, thank you so much again for sharing all this. And we'll continue our discussion in After Dark today. And thanks for your support on Patreon. We really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thank you.
2: And again, Disney in Your Day. That's the Instagram. And also Disney in Your Day dot com is the website. All right. Time for some recommendations. My recommendation is that everybody keep an eye on your YouTube app on your phone particularly for apple devices because picture in picture is finally coming to the youtube app this is a big deal because when we watch videos on youtube on our phone you know maybe we'll get a text message and we're halfway through the video and we swipe over to the text message and then the video pauses it's so annoying now they're adding picture in picture you're going to be able to do whatever you want on your phone and still watch the video in the corner I know this is like really obscure, but this is a big deal. People are really going to notice this. The one thing is you won't be able to play music and continue with picture in picture. I don't know if that means like concert videos, too. I'm going to be very curious to see if it's only like YouTube music, that whole section of YouTube, or if it's also like anything music. But anyway, I'm personally very excited about this. YouTube says it's rolling out in the days ahead.
1: I'm excited about that, too. I was actually talking to Mark about how excited I was about this. He is an Android user, and they've had this for a very long time, so he was not impressed. But if you're an Apple user, this is a big deal.
2: Yeah, we Apple users sometimes have to wait a lot longer for things.
1: Yeah, Apple's late to the party on a lot of things. Well, I want to recommend a YouTube channel called Hey Bear Sensory. It is so fun, and I feel like You can best understand what it is by just going and watching. It's essentially animated videos of various food items, usually fruit and vegetables, dancing to very catchy music. You cannot watch these videos and be in a bad mood. (laughs) I legitimately, if I'm having a bad day or if I feel tired or if I have a headache or whatever, I put it on. And it is just so fucking delightful <laughs> to watch all of these like fruits like dance to salsa and mambo. Um, it's just a really good time. Um, <laughs> okay, and great. I mean, honestly, great. Like even if you're not a stoner, it's great for that too. It's just delightful. Andrew, watch watch one of their videos. Watch the smoothie mix. <laughs> I think that's what they
2: call the it. Smoothie mix. I'm watching. Uh, summer Celebration, Uplifting, Dancing, and Funky Beats. There you right go. Now. That's
1: fine, too. Watch it. I challenge you to watch it and then tell me that you didn't feel better after you watched it.
2: I- I'm looking at a Dancing Cherry and Strawberry and Avocado and another cherry right now. It is delightful. I think I understand.
0: I wanted to recommend Trader Joe's Coconut Cold Brew Concentrate. I think that this is probably the... Best or my favorite of their cold brew concentrates. They have a couple. My only, uh, gripe with this is that it doesn't come in the larger bottle, but because it's a concentrate, you can actually get about four servings of cold brew out of the tiny little one. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on how strong you like your coffee. But this is just like the perfect summer drink. Uh, it does not have any added sugar. It just is kind of like a hint of coconut laced within the coffee. And it's very, very good. So I would recommend checking that out next time you're at Trader Joe's.
2: And Becky, do you have a recommendation for us?
3: I do. Um, Surprise, surprise. It's a book. Um, (laughs) But it's not a children's book. It's a grown-up book. And it's called 4,000 Weeks. It's by Oliver Berkman. Uh, The subtitle is Time Management for Mortals. But it's actually a very different um, take Approaching time management. And it's more a way of thinking about time and how we want to spend our time. I found it really useful. And and Andrew, it might help you with your Disneyland issues because uh, a lot of the book is about kind of coming to terms with and accepting that we're never going to be able to do everything. Every single day, we're constantly making choices and picking one thing over the other. And it's the act of making those choices that give things value in the first place. So it's okay to let some things go and not feel like you need to constantly be hustling and doing everything or seeing everything. Um, I think he said he referred to instead of FOMO, the fear of missing out, it was, um, was it the fear of, or the the joy of missing out? That's what it was. JOMO. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That we should, we need to accept. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great point. I just you know, I see I look at these Disneyland ticket prices and I'm like, I got to <laughs> do as much as possible. And that's before you pay for Genie Plus to help get you uh, through the lines faster. But no, that's yeah. That's, but you got to
3: think what makes it actually valuable is yeah. running around all day and stressing yourself out going to give you the most value for your money.
2: No, it's about slowing down, sitting on a park bench, and watching a parent yell at their children who have been crying for 30 minutes straight. That's the design. Yeah, so experience. don't you
3: be the parent with whoever you're with. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, we gotta get over to Splash
2: Mountain. Exactly. Come on, it's closing soon to become T.R.S. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> to all of our listeners, make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode, and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would really appreciate that. If you want to contact us, you can write to millennialshow at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. Speaking of the confessional, don't forget that one listener, Laura wishes to speak with you. Thank you. And also-
1: You make it sound so ominous.
2: <laughs> Why do I'm trying to be vague. It's not ominous, y'all. Everything's no, fine.
1: No, it's not. Good, Good vibes, y'all. Peace and love, as Ringo Starr would say. Peace
2: and love, peace and love. <laughs> yeah, no, Lori just wants to talk. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Becky. Bye everybody. Bye.